Welcome to Pictures and Dialogues. This is episode six. I'm your host, Tajeshwar Sharma, and we're still living in the surreal time of coronavirus and COVID-19. I hate to mention it. I feel as though it's getting um, you know, a lot of attention in the media, enough as it is, so I don't really want to promote or talk about it any more than I have to in the podcast, but it is something that I would definitely mention. Because, of course, it's definitely impacting everyone's lives. Um, you know, the fatality rates have increased in so many countries. Uh, more people are being diagnosed with the virus. It's definitely a serious, you know, pandemic. And everyone is really trying their best. Most people, I would say, are trying their best to prevent um, the healthcare, you know, facilities from being overburdened. Uh, but, you know, in practicing the recommendations and the enforcement from government to stay home and to stay socially distanced and to stay physically distanced from um, people who you would normally be in contact with. Um, people are really following the rules and, you know, subscribing to the regulations. But still, it's definitely, like I said, impacting everyone's lives. The businesses have been impacted. Pretty much, I would say, Every industry has been touched by this, and it's unfortunately causing a lot of, um, in some cases, irreversible effects on the economy. And you know, maybe to make it specific to this podcast, it's really impacting the film industry at the moment. Um, of course, everyone with regards to the actors, the crew, um, production design, everything has been halted and suspended. And so as a result, nothing is really being created. And I really find that interesting. And I don't want to talk about that in this episode, but that is something that I'm going to think about in a little bit of more detail and probably talk about in the next episode and try to you know, have a discussion about the links of this pandemic and the impact it's having on possibly um, destroying, in some cases, the projects or ongoing um you know, plans that people had, but at the same time, it's also inspiring, inspiring a whole bunch of other people, whether you're part of the film industry or not, to be creative and to think of, you know, new stories or new ideas. Um, that is, you know, what I've been seeing. I'm not saying that there is going to be a direct result of this sort of burst of creativity post-COVID-19, but it's definitely something that I've been monitoring and watching over the past few weeks now. And, you know, it's, it's maybe a little unfair for me to say um, that point, but it's just one thing I've been observing. And it's strictly been um, through, you know, Instagram, or through social media, through Twitter, um, something I've been noticing that people think they've probably been, you know, being more creative. But like I said, not necessarily true that as a result of this fact of everyone being um, you know, hibernating at home, the fact that they have to stay home, it's not necessarily a result of what we're going to expect as some sort of new wave or this new revolution in creativity. But like I said, that's not what I want to talk about. Um, what I actually want to talk about is a film, of course, because this is pictures and dialogues. And, you know, again, just to wrap up a small point about the COVID-19 issue, it's definitely impacting, you know, like I said, a lot of people's lives. And we must always consider the fact that there's still some services and some functions that are still considered essential and that are being provided 
um, by you know healthcare workers, and for some of those still in the service industry, such as in the um, uh, the grocery and retail industry, um, those are the people who are providing essential services, and those are the people who are considered the frontline workers, and they're the brave, courageous individuals that are still performing their duties uh, despite the fact that there's still a pandemic. So that is like I would uh, would really like to congratulate them and also to thank them for their uh, their bravery and the fact that they're continuing to uh, to perform their duties despite this pandemic. So I don't really have a interesting segue into the next topic that I wanted to talk about because it's really hard to to link a pandemic to a recent film that I just watched. And it's one specific film that I want to highlight and probably even just briefly touch on the series. And it's kind of strange for me to be talking about this film. But again, if you approach it from the right perspective and you try to study it from the right perspective, I think you can make heads or tail of the film. So one of my favorite genres of film is action undoubtedly it's a lot of fun it can be a lot of fun it can also really be um, a mess it can be a complete misfire by the director and a complete misfire by the writer and it's really not that difficult to make an action film and that's coming from somebody who has not made an action film Um, as long as you touch on the right critical points of an action film and that has to come together in of course when you're creating the script so when creating the script if you're not creating a character that is embodying the sort of traditional um, characteristics of a hero whether it's a male or a female um, the film is going to feel extremely uninspiring so To give you the concrete example of what I was just talking about, the Rambo series is, and I'm going to pause there for a bit of a dramatic effect, but the Rambo series is technically considered to be one of the greatest action film series um, of American cinema. And the one character that really, of course, made it is, you know, in the title, it's Rambo. But the person that has brought Rambo to life is none other than Sylvester Stallone. So Sylvester Stallone, you know, think of what you may of his um, uh, of his acting abilities. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that the man has an amazing screen presence and charisma that I can't really think of any actor of the current generation that has a similar presence to him. And I'm not just trying to highlight the fact that Stallone has it. Um, In fact, if you think of the great action heroes from the 80s, late 80s to about early 90s, um, sorry, early 80s to about early 2000s is when you would find possibly some of the greatest action heroes. And I find that you don't find those action heroes anymore. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, some of the great action films over the past just two, three years are still films from um, those legends that are continuing to make films. And they're probably in their what, like late 40s, early 50s, mid 50s. And, you know, for Sylvester Stallone, 
he's now, I think, almost 73 or 74 years old. So these are action heroes, and they're sort of still trying to breathe a bit of life into what is I would now consider a, a dying genre. However, there's still some critical actors that are able to pull off action films unlike anyone else. So, for example, what we had, I would say, in 2018, it was Mission Impossible Fallout. Now, Mission Impossible Fallout is a fantastic film overall. And for those of you who did maybe miss it, I, t- I did talk about it in one of my first two podcast episodes. And it stars Tom Cruise, of course, the usual crew from the Mission Impossible series. And that is Tom Cruise at his best. Like, he is an action hero. He brings um, Ethan, the character, to life. And there's nobody else that can do that. So similar to the series of Mission Impossible, now you have Stallone in Rambo. Okay. And also, I mean, before that too, you had so many other types of actors in their traditional action films. Like you had Mel Gibson, the action hero, right? Um, he was the one that was portraying, um, I forget his name now, but the cop in the Lethal Weapon series, for example. And then you had his partner, um, Danny Glover, as his you know loyal sidekick. So the action film series that we're so used to seeing is sort of a dying breed at the moment. And it sort of disappoints me to say that because to make an action film like I had stated at the beginning, is that it's not that difficult. If you do compose the script correctly and you do have the right notes um, it's, and you do hit those notes as the director, then you're, you're not really um, trying to you know, create like a brand new piece of art, but you're essentially just trying to bring that script to life. And a lot of the time, what I've uh, what I've heard and what I've noticed is that a lot of the um, direction that happens is also um, just improvisation. So it's actors improvising in you know action films, and it's it's just great. So it really disappoints me to to say that we're we're not seeing those films anymore. But it could also be the fact, and I'm just now thinking on you know on on my feet right now, is that. Because I just watched this last film, Rambo Last Blood, uh, which is now considered to be the last film of the Rambo series, it really was awful. Um, it, I think what the director thought is that he had everything together. He had Stallone as Rambo. He had some vulnerable characters who are going to push Stallone and the Rambo character off the edge for him to um, adopt his traditional warlike, um, you know, uh, mercenary style, um, because we always know that um, similar to how John Wick operates, we don't know who John Wick is until he's triggered to become John Wick, and it's the same with this film. So, sorry, even one example that I didn't bring up earlier is Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves in the Matrix series, right? So again, we do have a bit of a supporting cast there, but Keanu Reeves is the action hero of that film series. And what surprisingly, what really 
happened in 2014 is when he returned with John Wick. But again, that's a story for a different time. So now we have Rambo. He's pushed to the edge. He's living a comfortable life. He still has his weapons, his knives, his guns, um, a lot of his tools that make him you know, a little more intimidating than a usual person. And he becomes Rambo when his niece, who essentially is captured by the Mexican cartel. And I'm not going to go into the story into too many details because I'm assuming if you've seen any other action film before of Sylvester Stallone, you can pretty much put together what the rest of the film would be like. So the issue with the film is not the simple story or the fact that the script itself um, is very straightforward and linear. There's nothing complicated going on here. The only issue is, is that everything feels rushed. Everything is very poorly put together. Um, the acting is extremely awkward. Stallone is probably the best part about the film, and that's not really saying much about the film. Um, every other character in the movie is boring. Uh, his grandmother, there could have been so much potential there for humor and for this sort of sense of family um, with him and his niece, and I think it was his grandmother. And to be honest with you, it wasn't even entirely clear what her role was in the film. And none of it works. None of it made sense. Um, and honestly, I didn't really care. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems in an action film. You have to, you have to ensure that you are following the traditional, um, you know, arc of the story. If you're not following that arc and you're deviating from it, the film is going to be a complete disaster. And so what the end product is of Rambo Last Blood is that it's essentially Rambo returning. Now, what I kind of found interesting about the film is that he doesn't go um, hunting after the Mexican cartel after you know a few bad things happen to him. Instead, what happens is that he brings the Mexican cartel um, to his home. So, in fact, he brings the fight to his backyard. And it's really, you know, the best part about the movie, and maybe this is a spoiler, but the best part about the movie was seeing him set up the traps for him to capture the cartel. However, when the traps are actually set off to capture the cartel, it's really... Um, it's really boring because a lot of the way the film was edited at this point is it's very quickly edited. Nothing makes sense. Um, we don't have any clue as to how long um, he has actually taken the time to put all of this together, which I'm assuming it would take, you know, the normal person at least a month or two to put all of these traps together to capture, you know, you would think a very dangerous and very skilled Mexican cartel. Um, and within seconds, he wipes them all out. So the issue, again, is what I'm describing is not the fact that a lot of this happens outside of the realm of reality and logic. The issue is that it's the, the audience and the viewers are unable to connect with the fact that Rambo wants to wipe out you know, a third of the Mexican cartel. It doesn't connect with anything 
Um, it feels very rushed as well. I think the movie clocks in at about um, one hour and 46 minutes. And everything from, you know, even let's talk about the the first action set piece. Um, it was so dark. The lighting is incredibly poor. I cannot see, I couldn't see anything. And in fact, it was very um, strange to see that because you would think that this is the first return of Rambo in the last film. You want to see him return in full force and you want to see him return um, the fact that he's, you know, he's pissed off, he has a, a target in mind, he's trying to find somebody who has been kidnapped, and yet what we find is, you know, a Rambo who essentially gets his ass kicked, and, you know, one, if, if I could add a footnote there, one funny thing that really happened is after he gets his ass kicked, there's this terrible shot on his face, and it's essentially to show how bruised and beat up he got, but it was such poor makeup that it was so fake and it just looked terrible. So that was the first action set piece of the film. The second action set piece that comes up is when he actually returns now um, and he returns with a hammer and he essentially goes through the entire house trying to take out each gang member one by one. But again, very uninspiring, boring action, action scenes. And then finally, the, the only other action piece in the film is when he uh, brings the Mexican cartel to his home for him to now avenge um, the person who he has lost. So the really disappointing thing about this film, and I should probably even add this note right now, I haven't actually seen the first two Rambo films. I've seen them in, you know, like I've seen pieces so I can automatically assume I know what the film is uh, I did watch the previous Rambo film which was set in Thailand oh, no it was set in Bhutan and that was actually even a little bit better because um, we saw Rambo sort of on the edge and the action scenes were far more um, inspiring and far more um, well put together the issue here as well is that Rambo just relies on absolute carnage so there's no skill um, that we get to really enjoy and what I mean by that is we see Rambo putting together his booby traps and his um, you know meticulous uh, armory of how he's going to capture the cartel but it's so uninspiring because we follow him through the journey but we're unable to follow him whenever he does execute his plan so I'm not entirely sure how we're supposed to understand this character and in fact it's 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 kind of you know um, it's kind of really disappointing because this is considered to be the last Rambo film and Stallone now who's 73 or 74 years old I highly really doubt um, I really really, in fact, doubt that he's going to make another Rambo film after this. So, um, it's a bit of a strange film that I'm uh, reviewing and that I'm commenting about, but I'm trying to speak about the larger issues of this film and the series and also the genre as a whole and how much I consider this genre to be a dying breed, but I, I don't want it to be a dying breed. And I, I really want to reiterate the fact that an action film can be very simple to make. You have to focus on a few things. The traditional arc of the story, 
the hero, the character, what is it that they're fighting for, make it very clear. And then the final thing, and the obvious thing, is that the action set pieces should be put together um, with a, like a lot more thought and a lot more um, awareness and and to have fun with it. Like I'm also picturing now with this Rambo film that it looks like they didn't have a lot of fun filming the film because if I'm watching it and I'm not having fun, I can only assume now and I would, you know, I would make a... a I would definitely make a bet on the fact that the filmmakers and even the actors, when they were watching the film after making it in sort of a screening with the producers, I'm assuming they did not enjoy the film. And if they did, then there's something really wrong with that. And it, it may be just my opinion, but I also did do a bit of research on some of the other film critics and what they thought about it and audiences as well, and they sort of shared the same view with me as well. And they even had some other issues with the film, stating that it was extremely violent, um, and you know the gratuitous violence is excessive, it's really uncalled for, um, and it can be at, at some times, but that's probably one of my least um, you know, issues with, with the film. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a massive criticism with the film. My criticism rests the fact that the genre is a dying breed and this is just continuing to add nails to the coffin. So that's the, the film that I wanted to talk about today and the, the series and the genre and I really hope I can see something else um, in the upcoming weeks that will inspire me to be a little bit more positive and one thing that I was also thinking of, of doing is instead of just um, bringing random films to this podcast, what I want to do now is I want to profile specific directors that I have been observing or that I have been studying over the past few years, and I don't want them to be the traditional American filmmakers, whether they're independent or uh, mainstream. So for those of you who are aware and for those of you who are unaware, some of my filmmakers, favorite filmmakers, are still, um, you know, Chris Nolan, uh, Quentin Tarantino, David Fincher, uh, the um, the Coen brothers, um, James uh, Cameron. I was going to blank on his name, and um, there's so many others. Uh, Martin Scorsese, obviously, um, and uh, David Fincher. If I didn't already mention him, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he's one of my uh, new favorite filmmakers. So, you know, this is um, something that I've been wanting to do, and I want to, like I said, profile filmmakers that you have probably heard of, but you've maybe never even seen their films. So one of the first few ones uh, I'm going to hopefully profile over the next few weeks is actually known to be a legend of world cinema, and this is going to be a bit of a challenge uh, because he has quite a large body of work, and he's considered a one of the most... Ex, uh, extremely influential people in uh, film and film theory and that's Satyajit Rai and this is really maybe not a good idea for me to start with him to profile him and I, I, I'm just going to say this right now I may not be able to watch all of his films but I am going to definitely try and see the most iconic ones you know for, for so for him for example 
there's the Apu trilogy that I would love to watch, and also um, um, there's another one, I, I can't remember the name, it has a bit of a funny title, but that's one that I'm going to also watch as well. So that's somebody I'm going to profile. Uh, another one that would probably be a good idea for me to start with um, would be Sriram Raghavan, and he has come up with some great films. For those of you who watched uh, Andadun, that came out last year, and he actually made a series of other films that came out before that, that he was um, under the radar. The films went under the radar. He was also under the radar. He's a pretty quiet dude, but he does make great movies. So, like I said, that's some of the stuff that I want to work on and I want to discuss in the upcoming episodes. And um, that's it for this episode. And like I said, I, I I didn't know how to segue between you know COVID nineteen and and Rambo. It's kind of um, a bit of a daunting task. And if so, anyone has any ideas how I could possibly do that in the future, that would be great. Um, I'm, I'm going to continue doing these episodes now on, like I said, a weekly basis, where we'll try to aim for having them completed on a weekly basis. I really am enjoying doing this, and I want to ensure that I continue to do this in order to profile and highlight um, you know, film and the, the study of, of cinema. So this has been Pictures and Dialogues, Episode 6, and again, this is your host, Tajeshwar Sharma. Mm-hmm.